this was uh, something very important for me. And of course, I wanted to show my parents and people around me that you can basically change anything in your life if you want this. And I've had this belief. It was so strong. And everyone around me, like my parents, my family, my friends, they were telling me that it was all impossible. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. To help Ukrainians, we need to break the stereotypes because Ukraine is not just a former Soviet country nor Chernobyl. The new generation of Ukrainians today have unlimited potential. This podcast is to break the stereotypes about Ukrainians and show the greatness of Ukraine to the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that, for the rest of his life he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. I couldn't return to Kiev because of the pandemic, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 135 people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the Vice President of the Helen Marlin Group, to the Vice Chancellor of the UGCC, to the President of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the President of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Yale University, Harvard and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So please support this podcast by sharing an Instagram story today and mention the page aziz.future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 100 in France and Switzerland, top 60 in the United Kingdom and Japan top 50 in Austria, Germany, and Canada, top 25 on Apple Russia, top 15 in Belarus, Poland, and Australia, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, South Korea, and many, many other places, because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Anastasia Tokareva. Anastasia is a Flex alumna 2015-2016, and she lived in a town of only 80 people during that experience. She was an alumna 
of European Youth Parliament Ukraine, where she was a board member on human resources. Right now, she is working as a Flex Alumni Coordinator in Central Ukraine while getting her bachelor's degree in international communication at the Institute of International Relations, Taras Shevchenko National University of Kiev. Nastya, how are you today? Great, thank you. How I'm really you? happy, excited, ready to begin, and to ask you my favorite new question, which is this. Please think in your mind, during these days, this period, what seems to be the thought that returns to your mind often? Something you keep on thinking about because you're trying to change, to improve, or is just something important to you that you is demanding you think about often? Yes, thank you. That's such an interesting question. Um, recently, I'm thinking a lot about uh, gratefulness. So every day I feel really, really happy because I uh, remind myself of all the things that I'm happy about. So this is the people I work with, people who volunteer together with me. This is, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be where I am and be with the people who I am with. And I would really like more people to think about this and think how grateful they are about uh, the things that life has to offer and the opportunities that we have to actually make this life better, not only for ourselves, but for other people as well. So this is what I think everyone should um, remind, remind themselves of. And this is the thing that I really like about my life now that I feel this gratefulness. Thank you very much. I love this topic and actually to explore more. So I understood you. It's about reminding yourself every day of the people you get the chance to work with, of the things in your life you can be grateful for, of the impact and working together to make lives of others better. And that is so deeply meaningful and a big reason to be happy and no reason to glance over it, forget it, or take it lightly. Is this correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And actually, the human brain evolved to not do that, but to see negativity. Because in uh, prehistoric times, if you're busy being grateful, well, you're not quick enough to escape the, <laughs> the tiger with the saber-toothed tiger. So to look for negativity, look for problems means survival, and we need to train ourselves to be grateful. Well, that means there was a moment that you took the decision and thought, I choose to become more grateful. I choose to develop this. What was an experience, a story, or an event that triggered this desire and drive for gratitude and growing gratefulness? So actually, I think I've been grateful for different things in my life uh, since my early childhood or not so early. But I remember the moment when I was 12 years old and I was uh, on the Internet looking up different quotes and a lot of them were about happiness and gratefulness. And I thought, OK, so if you have a choice to be an optimist, then why not be an optimist? So at that very moment, I have decided that 
that I really want to uh, f- to fill my life with positive moments, think positive thoughts, and also be grateful for who I am. And from that moment, uh, very, very good things started happening to me. So I got into one of the best schools at the town where I lived. Then I got a chance to actually go on the flex program and do more and more things which made me happy and which made me think more of uh, who I want to become and uh, who I want to help in life. Uh, So I think it, it has happened a while ago, but really uh, now we live in so challenging times when it's the pandemic and uh, there is a lot of negativity going on in people's minds and in the media and all around us. So here, uh, like you said, uh, gratefulness and mindfulness are the things that we have to learn to um, bring in our lives. So this is really what uh, keeps me going, what helps me to stay uh, stay sane and enjoy life, even though there are these things happening uh, in the world and uh, things that are not always positive. But you can always have a positive attitude, even when you have problems. It's, it's okay, everyone has them. So solving problems and not taking too much of your energy for them is very important. Thank you very much. Actually, I had a guest, not on this podcast, but a guest who said she prefers to use the word challenge because problem comes from fear where you feel, wow, it's a problem. Maybe I can't solve it. It's dangerous. But challenge implies there is a solution that is possible, which opens her optimistic side. And I love really what you are mentioning that even at 12, you actually had this sense of empowerment and choice. And I would like to explore that belief because what happens for most people is what is called learned helplessness. Or as uh, Thoreau, you know, said in Walden that most men lead lives of quiet desperation. So for people in the world are quietly depressed or, you know, desperation or hopelessness, to you, two things. What belief do you have that opened to you the potential for taking charge of your happiness, of your gratefulness, of your life? So about belief. And how does that relate to helping others? Do you focus on helping others empower themselves and believe in themselves somehow? Or what is that side of the equation? Okay, yes, thank you for asking this. So firstly, I'll tell you about the beliefs. So uh, my childhood was very, you know, uh, post-Soviet. So we still had some economic problems in my family. And my parents, they lived their lives like they had to do everything they were doing. And while seeing that, I really wanted to be something else in life i wanted to enjoy my life to the fullest and i understood that i am the only person that can make this happen for myself so i realized that um, i have to empower myself 
in order not to be stuck in the life of, like you said, just uh, sitting there depressed. So this was uh, something very important for me. And of course, I wanted to show my parents and people around me that you can basically change anything in your life if you want this. And I've had this belief, it was so strong, and everyone around me, like my parents, my family, my friends, they were telling me that it was all impossible. So, for example, when I first um, learned about the FLEX program, I was not eligible at that time because I was too young. But I was so excited. I ran to my parents and I was like, do you know that there is a program that sends you to the U.S. for free? And my parents said, "Okay, first of all, like there is nothing free in this world. So this is probably just a scam. We don't believe it. It's it's not true. Then they said, even if it's true, like, what are the chances that you will get accepted? And they did not believe in it. I don't know how I built this mindset, but I wasn't really asking for their opinion at that time. I just wanted to share my excitedness. And for some reason, their opinion didn't influence me that much. So I decided for myself that I want it. And then I just went for it. Um, so I know that a lot of people actually, they feel bad when they get some feedback like this from their parents or people around them. But for me, it was different. I was, you know, like there was a rebel inside of me wanting to change my life so bad that I did not care for the world impossible. So uh, as for the second question about the need to empower others, um, I think that our country has many, many talented people. The problem is that a lot of them are still with this post-Soviet mindset when just like my parents, they hear about some awesome opportunity, but they think it's not for them, they're not good enough, or it's impossible. So by empowering these people, by providing them with the opportunities, by bringing them awareness, we can really change the world, bring our country to a better place, a better better rankings in the world. And we we can let people know more about our country. So empowerment is very important because I think we have the fullest potential for this. Like we have amazing people, but these people need to believe that they can do anything and then anything can be done. I really like that. So if I understood correctly, which is wonderful because uh, there is Albert Ellis, who's a great psychotherapist and he invented REBT, which is uh, rational emotive behavioral therapy. And he was saying that one of the things that actually a lot of people grew up messed up, even if they have the best parents, because children can interpret anything in two different ways. If people are mean to them, for example, their parents, that can empower them to be rebels and be an even better, more positive person, while it can break down others. And therefore, it's about the interpretation 
rather than the stimulus itself. So to you, even though people around you had what Nikita also called here, the post-Soviet trauma, <laughs> that <laughs> there is this idea that even you come with them and you tell them, oh, this is such a great uh, thing. And they tell you, okay, the flex, there is nothing free. Maybe it's a scam. And even if it's free, you cannot do it. And that pushed you to take matters into your own hand and to think like the metaphor of the airplane, when the masks fall down, you have to put your own mask first so that you're strong enough to help others rather than weaken yourself and then not be able to help as many as you could. And the second, you said there are so many great, potentially amazing people in Ukraine who can transform Ukraine, its future, and create many, many great things in the world. But because of the post-Soviet trauma, they're not living up to their potential. And you believe in actualizing their potential, holding them by the hand to take them to a place where they're powerful, they are grateful, they are happy, and they give their gift to the world. So is this correct? Yes, yes. Uh, but I'm of the belief that we already have this amazing people. We just need to give them power to bring changes um, to Ukraine and to this world. Thank you very much. And we will return to this. But I'm curious about something. Since you're grateful and you focus on your positive energy, well, when you really want to feel alive, when you want to fill your tank of happiness, what is an activity that you like to do to just stop all thoughts, flow with the moment and be very happy? So actually, like from our conversation, people might think that I never feel sad, which is obviously not true. We all can feel different emotions, sadness, anger, whatever. And for me, it's very important to acknowledge those emotions understand what i'm feeling and why i'm feeling this and then what i usually do is i actually write poems and uh every time i post a new poem in my, on my telegram my grandma calls me and she's like oh my god uh another sad poem like are you okay and for me that has always been strange because I'm a very, very happy person. And when I write sad poems, this is like the place where I want to put all my sadness. I don't want to come back to it anymore. I want to understand it, put it into a poem, and then just leave it there. So this helps me a lot. This helps me get back to my life uh, in a happy mood, in um with great empowerment to do more and more. So that's something I do. But another thing that's very important to me is people. So talking to someone, going for a cup of coffee, or during the times of pandemic, just, I don't know, sending them a Zoom link and talking to them also helps a lot and helps uh, have this positivity throughout our days and usual uh, daily routine. I love that. I'm a writer, so I'm very curious about this. When and how do you know that it's the right time to write a wonderful poem? 
Like, do you get some image or a feeling in your mind? For example, to me, I see actually like papers that are being written and I get the feeling of almost giving birth that if I don't write, it's like I need to express and release this emotion and tension, etc. somewhere. And after doing it, when it's complete, it's uncomfortable while doing it or before because it needs to get out. But when it sounds like, ah, it's done, it's good, it's shared with the world. But to you, what do you do? Some people get energy in their hands and they feel like, oh, it's time to write. Some other people, they get like, I had a guest recently. She imagines there is a pot and there is a seed there and she needs to take care of it to become a flower. And that is to her a poem. What is it for you? I loved uh, the one about the seed that is like so beautiful. For me, it's a bit different. So usually when I have a lot of emotions, they feel like a burden to me. And then I don't know how it happens. It just it's, it's just there. I start hearing different uh, rhymes, different words, words put in beautiful collocations. And then I understand that it's time for me to actually sit down, open my notebook and write it all down and think of it more and develop it into a full poem. So for me, it's like um, being revealed of those emotions by putting them onto paper. So that's how it feels. But so mostly it's just me <laughs> hearing some some. Uh, rhymes and hearing some beautiful words. Tell me more about that process. How is it? Which voice? Do you hear your own voice or another? And are you in general a highly auditory person? So uh, usually those words, they come to me at unexpected moments, but I, I always know that it means that I'm probably emotionally uh, exhausted or just overwhelmed by something. And they do not, well, I think they do come in my own voice, but I've never thought of it that way. It's just like, like, Normally, when you brainstorm something, when you have some ideas, they just come to you, I guess, in your own voice. But for me, at that moment, uh, the words that start coming to me when I think, when I think of, I don't know, things happening to me, when maybe I'm trying to solve some problems, and then the ideas and thoughts in my head, they start sounding really beautifully so they sound like something worse to be put into a poem and it's like that is such a precious precious moment when you know that you cannot lose this perfect number and perfect um, combinations of words that you just have to do something with it so that's how it usually happens just my my brain gives me something really really powerful and beautiful and i'm trying to embrace it and uh, make a poem out, out of it powerful and beautiful embrace it and make a poem out of it and do you remember one of the earliest moments when this happened when did it kind of begin and 
how was your reaction to it? Did you think, wow, this is so beautiful, I love it? Or did you think this is a burden, what is going on here? Or how was that early moments of revelation and growth of this poetic ability? So this is actually quite interesting because I have actually been taught to write poems. When I was in fifth grade, um, there was a moment in my life when I I had to wait for my friend, but my friend wanted to go to a poetry club. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I still want to walk home with you, so I might as well go to that poetry club. And I ended up at that club where uh, a teacher ta- taught me to read and write poems and i was i was very young i was 10 years old so for me it all was something technical so i tried uh, i don't know i even opened a dictionary to find words which would rhyme with something that i have already come up with so really really a technical process and then because it was simply technical i didn't do it for some time because that uh, club uh, ceased existing and I was busy with my own things. And then at one moment, um, it happened uh, late at night, I was still not sleeping and something in my brain just, I don't know, I guess my brain was very active at that time. so I started I started hearing those words I started uh, imagining different things and uh, it actually ended up being a really really nice poem so being able to write helped me later to put my thoughts into something more um more concrete Thank you and I'm really curious then how does this translate to your major that you're studying international communications, is there a crossover between poetry writing and what you're studying and uh, what you write there, or is it totally different? And if so, how does it work? So it actually has a connection, which I would never have thought of if you hadn't asked. So um, in Ukraine, in Ukraine, when we have to choose our major, we are not usually given given that much time. So we cannot just take our time and search for our meaning in life. We have to choose the university, pick a major, and just go there. And I had very very good uh, good exam um, results, really good. So I could choose any university in Ukraine, and I could get there to study for free. And initially, I wanted to study journalism because I love writing. At that time, I thought that uh, writing articles would be also very suitable for me. So I wanted to study journalism. But then, uh, so usually it's easier to get into journalist majors in Ukraine. And I thought, okay, I have such high exam results maybe i should do something else maybe that's a sign that i have to do something more complicated than just journalism and i thought okay there is international journalism so i started looking it up on the internet 
whether we have it in Ukraine or not. And I found out that we only have international journalism as a, a master's program at the National Trust Shevchenko University. And I started, started researching further, like, okay, what bachelor's degree, sh- like what major should I get in order to then go and study international journalism? And it was international communications. So that's how I ended up there. But I mean, I've changed my opinion so much during that time. So because I'm studying international communications, I have realized what I really want to do and study in the future and what I really don't. So, for example, now I've seen that media and journalism, they don't attract me as much, but other things do. Um, in particular, something more practical, something when I can see the impact right away. So that's how it all happened. Something that helps you get see the impact right away. Well, how does your work in Flex relate and embody that ability and desire to see the impact right away and something more practical? So the work of an alumni coordinator actually involves many, many different things, which is very exciting. One of them is organizing different events and projects. I personally love educational projects. They are my passion. And so when doing that, I usually expect to see Uh, this project impact some people. So if that's an educational project, I see that they have learned something new, they have gained new skills, and then in the future, I usually see how uh, uh, how they apply the skills to their life and how it can actually change something. Um, I don't have uh, specific examples from my current work, but I have from my volunteering with uh, European Youth Parliament. So I volunteered there as a moderator of a committee, uh, as a chair of a committee, and I had a delegate at that committee. And he did not know English really well. And instead of like pointing that out, I supported him fully. We developed a great uh, resolution project together with a team there, and I moderated it all. And I I made this atmosphere as welcoming as possible. And there was a moment when during the one of the events, he spoke up in English, and some people were laughing. So that's a heartbreaking moment for sure when you know that the person is doing their best and people are just laughing at it. And guess what? Now it's been two years and he has actually got into um, uh, some sort of an international university abroad. He knows English perfectly well and he is doing a lot of volunteering and a lot of exciting projects. So by giving him the opportunity to uh, participate, even though he wasn't that good at English, actually empowered him to do more. To It challenged him to learn English and become better at it and has influenced his life. 
Thank you. It reminds me exactly what have you happened to you with your parents when you told them at Flex and metaphorically they laughed at you and him and the people in that heartbreaking moment. But both of you, it encouraged you to grow more, develop and become better than those people expect. Is this correct? Yes, yes. Uh, of course, sometimes it's not the best thing, you know, to be challenged by um, the environment and be challenged by the people around you. Of course, we want uh, in the future to have a more welcoming and accepting surroundings. Um, but I mean, we are still learning. Everyone is still learning. But people, especially people of my age, are learning to be more supportive and um, more understanding for the people to have less trauma in their lives because there there is enough. I agree with you. And now I have to ask, because you said educational projects are your passion. Well, what is different about educational projects compared to all others? And why are you passionate about them? Well, of course, I love fun projects. I love networking projects. But usually uh, when I, well, I'm looking at everything from the perspective of a participant. So when I participate at something and when I spend time on something, I want to get... uh, as much value from it as possible so educational projects have been really really meaningful for me as a participant and now uh, they're very very interesting to organize and to develop so when doing that if you are the expert yourself and you are delivering the project yourself then you are researching the topic then you're learning how to um, put all your knowledge into a lecture for example or into a learning program or if you are just an organizer you are meeting new people who are experts you're seeing uh, how they how they work you're understanding more about the world and the professional world as well so this is something that has benefits for everyone, for the participants, for uh, the organizers, for the experts, uh, everyone. And even for the people who are not attending these projects, because when I was in uh, European Youth Parliament, we when we organized projects, we used to say that the number of people impacted from this project equals the number of participants multiplied by five, because we believe that every person, after getting this experience, will go and uh, share this information with their parents, friends, maybe some other peers. And so with educational projects, I believe it works the same way. If you learn something new, something really exciting, you can then pass on this knowledge to other people and, of course, become better yourselves. I love that. It's a twist on six degrees of separation, but then a more chain reaction of you being the catalyst to change through people passing along great information. And so I have to ask, because I noticed that the way you speak is highly visual. You even used observing ego, which is called in psychology, when you said 
I look at things from the perspective of the participants, which is going from you to the perspective of someone else. And that is great. But you mentioned earlier when speaking about poetry, a highly auditory ability. So now I don't know. I have to ask then deeper. Are you a highly visual person? Can you visualize very vividly? Did you daydream in your life? Or are you more of the auditory person who has a highly developed musical ear and you're more about the sounds rather than the visual imagery? That's actually a really, really interesting question because I think I keep exploring myself and I don't really know the exact answer. In my usual life, daily life, I am more of a visual person. I like to imagine things. I can visualize anything, like basically anything. And Perfect. Uh, imagine- no, wait, wait. Let's play now because to explore <laughs> this because... You know, I didn't know this, but a lot of people are not highly visual, but the people who tend to be really mixing art with science, and that is a sign of semi-genius, so not to say, but exceptional people actually can marry both. Imagine an imaginary book in your hand. Can you see it clearly? Yes, yeah, I can. What is the title? Well, I think... I, I don't know why, but I see a title in some different language, which I don't know. Perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Tell me, do you like technology or what kind of thing do you prefer? Maybe a notebook. What is something to you that is a great symbol for you? A notebook for poetry, a phone. What, what is something that is a good symbol? Oh, I actually like technology and I like when things, when you can apply things to real life. But yes. yeah, if if I could associate something with me, I think many people would say their phone <laughs> because it, it can be so many things at once. Perfect. Do you prefer Android or Apple? Yeah, I'm an Apple fan. Perfect. Imagine from the future, an iPhone 21 or something. It's there in front of the book. It has an app that translates the title. Look what is there, the translation of the title in a language that you understand. Okay, okay, let's let's do it. Um, so it says belief, but the Perfect. book is very beautiful. <laughs> I love that. The book is very beautiful. Does it remind you of some piece of art or anything, a place, that beauty, the beauty of the book? It reminds me of something uh, more Eastern, like Eastern Asia. And the book is in very warm colors, almost yes. orange. Almost so, orange. Yeah, East something Asia. very warm. Perfect. Do you have some connection, whether in thought, wisdom, belief, or fascination with East Asia? I do. Well, I don't really have, I don't have any real connection, but it's, you know, it's so unexplored by me that I would really, really love to travel there and learn more because there are so many different cultures 
which are not so well I cannot really understand them fully because of my background and that's what I would really really love to do in life perfect because this book is about exploration and travel to East Asia so open it on any page use the phone to translate what is there and tell me what is there so I see a quote which is um, I love it a lot and I've seen many people use it that no matter where you travel you always take yourself with so why is yeah. that important for you so it's about not being able to escape who you are and about the importance of understanding yourself, the importance of uh, putting yourself into the first place, because otherwise you will not be able to explore new things, you will not be able to empower others, and you will not really enjoy who you are. So that's why it's, it's very important for me. Thank you. And how is that advice relevant for you in your life? So in our culture in Ukraine, um, therapy, phys- um, like mental therapy is not very popular. And we are always taught by our parents that if you are sad, well, just be happy. If uh, you experience some real emotions like anger, sadness, or anything else that you have to just overcome these emotions and forget about them. And people end up being not very not very confident and they end up hiding their emotions instead of using them to their own benefit. And that's why it's very important to first understand yourself and be in harmony with yourself before you can do something else. Understand yourself and be in harmony with yourself before you can empower others, do anything or understand what to be grateful for and what makes you happy. And how is this related to gratefulness? Oh, it's it's directly connected to it because you cannot really be grateful for things around you if you are not grateful for yourself and for being the person who you are. So that is very, very important to understand. All the people who I, whom I have seen and who have said that they keep gratefulness journal uh, journals, for example, usually those are the people who are in great harmony with themselves, which is amazing. I love that because this book has a chapter called Great Harmony. Open there. And there is some unexpected thing that is positive for you waiting. And tell me what is there. An unexpected thing? Um, let, let me see it closer. Yeah, I think there is a picture of a bird, meaning actual traveling, not always in terms of traveling the world, but just, just traveling. I love like that. Can, this is going to be so much mind. fun. Yes, you can travel in your mind. And that's why imagine next to you, there is a box with something that is meaningful. Open it and tell me what is there. Well, uh, I think these are the 
Chinese cookies with projections, but I think of like this box containing them as a box of gifts that I can give to people, you know, like random small sweets, some treats that I could just Do it. Uh, give Imagine to my now, yes, imagine now you're giving them to your friends and your friend will read some of the predictions and what do they say? Well, I'm, I imagine this as a very collective moment when we, like, if there are many friends, we all open the cookie, see the prediction, and then we share it with each other. And then all together we speculate on that and try to imagine how that really corresponds with who we are, how that prediction can be explained. Perfect. Read one prediction and say how does it correspond with who you are and with greater harmony. Actually, that's a prediction I've had uh, one day in this uh, cookie. I was in the US at that time and it said uh, you will travel a soil of uh, many different countries or you will step on the soil of many different countries. And... Um, at that time, well, like why why I remembered it and why it's still written in the prediction, because at that time, again, my parents, uh, they're not very rich and uh, pretty average, and we have never traveled anywhere. And so even when I was like uh, 17, my mom used to say that we, we and I, personally cannot afford traveling which was crazy for me like how that's that's impossible like what is life if you cannot travel and because of how I lived because of my volunteer work and different projects I had I've actually got to travel and well I'm still young so I believe that this prediction will will keep um, becoming true for me. Let's make it even more true. And then I want you to expand, expand on what is life without travel. But imagine you are in a place where each step is the soil of a different country from East Asia and all over the world. And step on five different soils now, just to make that prediction even more true and it continues out to the horizon, all the different soils of all the countries, real and imaginary. Take a few steps, enjoy this moment, and then tell me about what is life without travel. Well, I think life without travel is impossible. I think life is travel. And even people who, you know never leave their city or town you still you cannot say that they have never traveled because maybe they have maybe they have read many uh, fascinating books maybe they have met many people and those people can be from different places and there are like so many meanings of the world of the word travel that I think that it's impossible to live a life and never travel. I love that. And how is the bird in the book a representation of you or a side of you somehow? Well, it's like 
a bird really depicts freedom for me because the a bird is really free to go um wherever it wants at any time which is really a goal for me in life to be capable of going any place and doing anything i want at any time without feeling any financial burden for example or any emotional burden whatsoever i love that that is freedom any place any time doing anything you want without any financial or emotional burdens correct yeah and even better there is like a very important chapter in this book called freedom open there something wonderful is there share it what is it yeah there is there is a picture uh, of um, an empty room with um, a sentence saying that now you have to fill this room in with different things anything you want so like a page in the book where you get a chance to create something and how is that a metaphor for how you live your life today well i imagine life my life um like a book with many blank pages and every moment every second of your life you could you can decide what you want to write in the book what you want to draw or maybe you can do something else which no one would think about doing with this book so this is this is really empowering for me understanding that no matter what happens i am responsible for all my actions my thoughts and my life and that makes me understand that i can basically do anything i love that so if i understood you correctly the way you perceive it is this people can say whatever they wish whether parents saying anything negative it doesn't go directly on the pages of the book of your life but actually you're empowered and in control to write whatever you wish to draw whatever you wish or do something unexpected at any moment because you are in control of what goes on those pages is this correct yes exactly and you're also in control of what impact these pages may have on other people maybe someone else will read your book or be a part of it so that's also very important tell me how do you allow people or give them the opportunity to be empowered by reading your book or being part of it well i think that a lot of people can find out about different opportunities from me they can find out about um new concepts new ideas so sometimes i talk to my mom or my grandmother and i explain them things which are normal today like tolerance or i don't know different things or human rights and for them it would be something new and they would be impacted for that in a positive way or uh i was the only student uh of uh, my school in ukraine the school which i graduated from i was the only student from there who got a chance to go on a flex program and after coming back 
one girl from that school actually went on and became a flex finalist which is amazing and i really hope that she can in turn inspire many new people to also go and try this so by doing something positive in our lives we can actually impact many more people than we think of because there are a lot of people watching us and a lot of people who can take this as an example and take this as uh, the uh, real confirmation of the world impossible being non-existent when you are um, in control of your life. I love that. So if I understood you correctly, it's you can be the role model or you share new ideas or you share opportunities with people that shows them that the world the word impossible is not real in this world it empowers them and therefore they go their own way become also role models that will impact lives of other people which is very similar to what you said that you are thinking for each participant of your programs there are five other people impacted is this correct yes yes like a chain reaction how do you imagine that is it like you give a page of your book to a person and then they have a book and they give a page to other people? Or how does in your brain the metaphor of that chain reaction happening goes? I think it's maybe writing somebody else's name in your book or so to to make a record of this person being a role model or being an, an impact on you. Brilliant. So each person has their own book and they write names of role models or draw something or you and them could do anything unexpected because freedom is what allows that to happen and empowerment is realizing that they are the author of their own book. It's not someone else. Is this correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Brilliant. And imagine there are many many people listening open their books they're writing your name and they wish to, for you to give them any advice that your heart wishes to share that can really help them be more empowered or and or have more freedom and or realize their empowerment or their potential to impact others or just to not be depressed and to not feel that there are impossible things what would be this advice to share? I think I would tell people that no matter how small they feel and like in this world and how small of a person they think they are, they have a really, really big impact on everyone around them and on this world and every contribution to our world and our country becoming a better place counts and will eventually help us build the society that we want to live in. Thank you very much. This was a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor. And I wish you a great day, Nastya. Thank you. You too.